the last teaching of our encounter this year was desiring solely the cross. And tonight, I'd like to share a reflection with you that was part of my personal reflection this week, and that I had the sense that maybe this will be a reflection that brings our encounter with the first nail of crucifixion, not so much to an end, but the opening of the door to enter the second and third nail of crucifixion. So I would like to begin with the Gospel of John that we read this week and meditated, chapter 16, verse 20 to 21. These notes that I'm sharing with you Father Jordy will send you in English and Spanish, so you will have them. Jesus in the Gospel of John said, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. As I reflected on this, on these words from the Lord, the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit that brings us to remember, which is so important as we've learned, actually took me back to remember what childbirth was actually like. He took me back to ponder my childbearing experiences. And my reflection tonight with you is that memory as an analogy to desiring more and more solely the cross. I realized that we have a human desire that's very normal to humanity, and that is to live on earth kind of always like the good life to live on earth sailing through continuous consolations. We expect everything to kind of go well most of the time. And that is actually one of the greatest deceptions and lies of Satan because Jesus Christ teaches the opposite. Specifically in this scripture passage I read, he's telling his disciples, you need to expect on earth when I leave you, you're going to weep and mourn, you're going to have pain. 
And this goes throughout scriptures. We see it constantly in the life of the apostles, in the Acts of the Apostles we've also been reading. And yet we continue to expect as the followers of Jesus Christ, his disciples, to somehow have an easy life. What a lie. And as mothers and missionaries of the cross, we have to put this desire and expectation, which is a total deception of Satan, to death. What is God's desire? In number 87 of the path, the first sentence, Jesus speaks to us and tells us his desire. Very much again, what he tells us in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. And Jesus says to us in this one sentence, I desire to draw you into true unity, the unity of the love of the most holy trinity. So he's telling us that is his desire. It was the prayer at the end of his life. And then the Lord says this to us, powerful words. He says, the union of sorrows will bring you into the union of love. Yet as mothers and missionaries of the cross, we still do not desire many times these trials, challenges, pains that bring us these sorrows. So Jesus compares the life of his followers to a woman in labor pains. And I started to remember I had eight births and I had the grace of having eight natural births. And I started to remember the contractions. So when the Lord compares our life to giving birth, I said, okay, but wait a second. I could remember when a woman is in labor, for those that view that haven't had the, baby, the babies, you're put up to a monitor if you're in the hospital. And there is a machine, and it shows you the contractions when they're coming. And actually, the contractions in your notes, I actually put some pictures for you. It's like a wave, and the wave goes up and down. So when we're giving birth, it's not one continuous contraction. The contractions peak and then they come down and you have some time of rest. And so you can compare this to life where our life is a sequence, a wave of what? Desolations and consolations desolations and consolations. Now, it's interesting because when we're giving birth, the most important to actually be able to bring forth the baby, the new life, are the contractions, not the times of rest. 
without those pains of contractions, the baby cannot be born. Isn't that the same in our life? The most important parts of our life are not the times of consolation. They are actually the times of desolations. What happens during the pains of desolation? We are purified. We receive self-knowledge. We receive knowledge of God. We come to know our misery and our nothingness. And we come to know God's goodness and mercy. We are also given the opportunity during the desolations to really love God. That is when we prove our love to God, when it is the hardest, is in times of desolation. But something else, it is through our pain of childbirth, of life, that we too give new life. The new life in each of us to, be, to become the new creation in the image and likeness of God, but also to bring forth new life in other souls. Only through the pains of childbirth. Our Lord speaks powerful words in our path on page 210 concerning desolations. He says this, in times of desolation, your life has the greatest power and is most fecund. In my desolation on the cross, my life shone most brilliantly the love of God the Father. My desolation made my faith in my Father radiate its perfection. Through my desolation, I gave birth to my church and all her sacraments. The Lord starts to show us how he's given birth to us in desolation, in pain. He goes on to say, through my desolation, I gave birth to all my sons, my priests. Through my desolation, the Holy Spirit expanded the maternal heart of my mother to embrace all of humanity. It is in your times of desolation that the Holy Spirit and my mother wish to unite you more intimately to me. It is in your times of desolation that you are given the opportunity and grace to suffer with me. It is through your desolation that you can come to know the pain, suffering, and love of my heart. It is through your desolation united to mine that your life will also be most fecund. 
we will give birth to many, many souls, the life of Christ in souls. Then the Lord says, my desolation was so important for the salvation of the world that the Father willed for my mother to continue suffering my desolation on earth. Her suffering of solitude was her continuation of my desolation. And it produced and continues to produce a shower of graces for the world. I desire for the souls who love me to live their times of desolation united to me and completely abandoned to the Holy Spirit. In this way, my hidden force will acquire the power of God to overcome the darkness in the world. My cross is not my cross without the power of desolations lived with perfect faith. My community, my heart is on fire with the Holy Spirit, feeling an intense importance of time for us. I can't even put into words the importance of this first nail of crucifixion, the importance of the death of our expectations, the death of our own personal desires, the importance in this preparation for this coming Pentecost to beg my family for the fire of the Holy Spirit to consume us with the desire for the cross with the desire for suffering, not because of the pain, but because we desire to give life. We desire to cooperate with Jesus Christ, bringing to life the dead hearts. We desire with all our heart to save souls that are in danger of hell, my family. This is who we are. Today we pray the seventh day of our Holy Spirit Novena. One sentence I will share with you. Again, Jesus to Blessed Conchita. Again, telling her and giving her the same message. Jesus said, what matter betrayals and persecutions, even on the part of my own, the most painful? He's speaking of his priests. She, meaning the church, will majestically sail on through the myriads of tempests which served, serve, and will serve but to render her more wondrous and glorious. My community, it is this time of darkness, this tempest, this time of tribulation in the world and in the church, that God will bring forth a greater radiance in the church and in each of us. 
do we believe? Let us go back to labor. The labor contractions when we're giving birth are also not the same. Every contraction is different. Some contractions are very intense. Some contractions are less intense. Some contractions are longer and seem like they'll never end. <laughs> Some contraction pains are short. That is also how our life is. Some tribulations, challenges, trials come quickly and go quickly. And some stay a long time. But they are all necessary to bring forth life. Another analogy with childbirth. Not all women labor the same. Some women enter the pains of labor and get very angry and can become very aggressive with their coaches, predominantly husbands. Then there are some women that enter labor and are in great pain, but in great calmness and peace, in a tranquility. What many times is the difference in how women labor is the preparation. The Holy Spirit had me remember the Lamas classes that Peter and I attended together. The Lamas classes were a preparation to live well the pain. One of the things we learned in the Lamas classes was a breathing, which helped enter a very deep silence and stillness. But another thing Peter and I learned was the importance of a focal point. And I remember, this is way before Love Crucified, the Lord was already preparing my heart for the mission of Love Crucified. 35 years ago, when I first had my first son, and all the eight after that, my focal point was an image of Jesus crucified. And Peter put it on the wall in front of my bed in the hospital. And every time the pain came, my focus was on Jesus crucified uniting the pain of that child birth to Jesus crucified for souls, for my family. So God was already preparing me for the work of love crucified. How beautiful. I also remember my sister, Elena. She was in, I think, all my, my labors, I think, most of them. And I remember she was the hidden force. She was in the corner of my room, constantly praying the rosary. Because when you're in that pain, you're not able to pray the rosary. You, all you can do is just focus and, and enter the pain. But 
having my sister watching her pray each bead of the rosary was a strength. It was a force to help me stay focused on Jesus crucified. I'm going to read to you a little example of Jacinta and Lucia. Because I realized this is the month of May, the month of Fatima. And the three children also went through a time of preparation. Through the apparitions, our Blessed Mother prepared the three children to be victim souls. She prepared them to suffer well with Christ in reparation for sins of the world, in reparation for the sins against her immaculate heart and for the salvation of souls, especially those in danger of hell. She prepared them. She taught them how to pray. And she taught them how to suffer. In this example, I tell you, Lucia is giving this example of her cousin, Jacinta. Jacinta is dying of the Spanish flu, an epidemic. Both her and Francisco died. Lucia didn't get it. And guess what? She didn't practice distancing. She would go to the room of her two cousins and pray with them and help them suffer well and encourage them. Wow, what a lesson for us today. It says here, only Lucia knew the extent of Jacinta's suffering. Jacinta said to her, I am suffering a lot but I suffer it all for the conversion of sinners and for the Holy Father. I love so much to suffer for the love of Jesus and Mary. And they greatly love those who suffer for the conversion of sinners. I don't want you to tell anyone that I am suffering, not even my mother because I don't want to sadden her. At the age of 11, Jacinta already had the desire to suffer and expected it. Our Blessed Mother prepared her. And she embraced this cross like a true victim of love. She was ready when the pains came. She was ready for childbirth. And boy, has she given birth to so much in the church. Therefore, we need, my family, to again look at our desires and expectations, to expect this in our life, and to be ready when the pains of childbirth come. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage. I have conquered the world. He never says we're going to have an easy life, my family. We need to put that expectation to death. The coach, my husband, Peter, 
was my birthing coach. And boy, is, are they important, our beloved husbands. The, not only did he was my strength through his encouragement, through his love, through his tenderness, through his suffering with me. But I would say his most important role was to help me remember. Because when the pain comes, it is so easy to forget. So his job, which is so important, was to keep me focused on Jesus crucified, to help me remember. When we are in pain, Satan comes with the lies. I would say, I can't do it. I can't finish. I can't go on. I can't do this. And Peter would speak the truth. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Look at Jesus crucified. He's giving you the grace. This is very similar to what my community, to spiritual accompaniment. In spiritual accompaniment, it is like coaching. It is helping one another when we are in the different times of giving birth and in pain, in those trials, in those challenges, to remember our formation, to remember the words that the Lord has spoken to us, to encourage one another to suffer well and to keep our eyes focused on Jesus crucified. This is what an accompanier does. And in a way, we are all accompaniers because we are called to walk hand in hand, helping each other, helping each other remember. In Acts, the, in, in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 14, verse 22, it says, there they strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. The early church coached each other. They were there for one another. They helped each other suffer well. The early Christians, my family, entered the church expecting persecution, knowing that they would probably be martyred for their faith in Christ. They were moved by the fire of the love of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, and they desired to die for Christ, with Christ, and for the salvation of others. They lived our motto, suffer all with me, no longer two but one in my sacrifice of love. In 2 Corinthians, it says, but as servants of God, we have commended ourselves, St. Paul writes, in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit of desiring and expecting and wanting to follow Jesus and suffer rejection, persecution, suffering trials and hardships? The fruit is joy. 
what keeps us many times from joys is our disordered desires and expectations. If I am expecting an easy life, when the trials come, I am not ready. And I complain, I murmur. But if I am expecting, because I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I am going to enter those labor pains ready, especially with my community. And we as one heart, my community, are going to suffer with Christ for the salvation of souls. I'd like to end this reflection reminding you of one of the last messages of our Lord from 2019, March 14th. In your notes, you will have the whole message, but I'm only going to read a few sentences of it. The Lord said to us, if my words remain in your hearts, you will persevere through the many trials predestined for you to suffer for the glory of God and the salvation of countless souls. The Lord is telling us there are sufferings, there are crosses that have been from the beginning of time given to us. Yet we have the free will to receive or to reject. And how glorious the men and women that receive them. They're the saints. The Lord goes on to say, I desire to see each of you rejoicing like St. Paul always in good times and in bad because you have come to believe that I am with you. You have come to taste the goodness of the Lord. Joy is the fruit of trust. And therefore, my followers live in the praise of God. My witnesses will be known in the world through the light of praise and joy that radiates from your lives. We are being prepared quickly. I thought that the three nails of persecution were going to take maybe a long time. But what I'm seeing is that the spirit is placing in them in my heart quickly. Already in my heart, the spirit is preparing me to bring and begin the second nail of crucifixion. Why? Because we are being prepared for the great persecution. We are being prepared for the great illumination. And God wants us prepared. We have a mission, my family. Many are not prepared. Many souls, the Lord has been telling us, are going to hell or will go to hell when the time of illumination comes. I will speak more through the weeks to you about the illumination because this is part of our mission. But we need to live well the first nail without entering into the first nail of the crucifixion of our disordered desires and expectations, 
the second and third, especially the persecution and loving our enemies will be very difficult. So my family be focused. Do not allow this time of darkness to unfocus you. Do not be afraid. God is with us. This time of darkness is needed for the, for the purification of the world and the purification of the church. I love you all. God bless you.